Okay, hello everyone. Guy Sheon Miller here, and we're here with episode 85 of Kuden Radio, Kuden Podcast, whatever you want to call it. Anyway, uh, I um, had uh, uh, several uh, new intro students coming into the dojo, so I'm running just a little bit behind tonight. I apologize for getting started here a couple minutes late. What are we, about 10 minutes late? Uh, again, sorry about that. Uh, and I'm actually in my dojo office instead of the home thing. And um, because I didn't make it in that direction in time, I don't have all my fancy um, uh, extra video setup and the, the cool mic and all that kind of stuff. So I apologize if the sound's a little bit wonky uh, tonight. Hopefully uh, somebody that's on, I see Jimmy's on, Carl's on. If you guys can give me a sound check and let me know if it's at least uh, doable and we don't have something weird going on, I'd really appreciate it. And so, uh, <clears throat> sorry, I've just been teaching straight on for like the last, wow, three hours. A little drink of my um, poison addiction there. Anyway, so um, uh, tonight's uh, topic is based on uh, a question that had come in from somebody, uh, Paul, I think, um, about some differences that I've seen uh, or that I see between training uh, when I first got started, right, we're talking way, way back in the early 80s and all that, um, to the way that I see things uh, today. Uh, I'm not going to make any value judgments about whether things are right or wrong or anything like that. I'm just going to point out things. Uh, and also, uh, of course, it's going to come from my perspective because there were certain things that drew me to this art over other things. And then uh, I've got some other students that um, uh, have seen – things from, from both uh, sides as well. Uh, and so we'll talk, kind of talk about some of that stuff. All right, so that's the topic tonight. Uh, needed to then and now. Not then. Somebody uh, had sent something to me earlier about it, uh, then being like way back in, uh, you know, ancient Japan and uh, the information gathering days and uh, whether there was fighting skills or not. Uh, that's, that's for a different topic, all right, or a different day. All right, so anyway, uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, – uh, let the loop run here, and uh, we'll, I'll be right back with you. So, the big question is this. How are self-defense and success-minded people like us, concerned citizens worried about protecting ourselves, our loved ones, and the things we care about from the monsters we know exist in the world? How do we train in a way that gives us the skills, knowledge, and understanding we need without becoming paranoid fighters or killers ourselves, and yet still allows us to be the hero protector the world needs us to be? That's the question. And this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Jeffrey Miller, and welcome to Kuden Radio, real training for real people in a real world. All right, well, hopefully that came across okay, because it sounded kind of broken on my end. Anyway, all right, so I've got a couple of folks that are uh, signing in, a couple of folks over on uh, YouTube, Carl and Jeff, and, um, and Jimmy's on Facebook, and We've got some other folks that are uh, signing in to the lesson now. Join us or not. Okay? So, anyway, uh, if you're listening to this as a recording on iTunes or Stitcher or any of the sites called iTunes and Apple Radio or whatever it's called, because it's a podcast site. So, anyway, if you're listening to this as a recording, then. Probably not going to be one of the names uh, that I'm just. All right, so anyway, uh, 
Um, so, uh, one of the students I'll see if I can't fix things here a little bit. I apologize to all of you for listening to muffled voice. Uh, I know why it would be muffled. Yeah, I think everything's at my home office. All of that stuff. I apologize. Uh, so I will do my best to get this. Um, is it is it broken or is it so broken that uh, we could probably sit there as we approach the morning? Okay, well, I guess I'm going to stick my face up against yours, uh, not that close. Anyway, all right, so uh, let's do this then. I'll, I'll just try to speak up. This is okay. All right, so it's probably the age of, of the laptop and all that. I'm using it. I don't have anything extra plugged into it, so I apologize. Okay, so I would, I would endeavor to just speak up about that. Okay, so uh, a little bit more with that. Um, how about we just start further back, right? Um, uh, I, I've been doing a lot of martial arts and um, started in 1975. So, I think here, so I'd rather you be talking to me than hear. Anyway, listening through uh, one of the podcast sites, this is making no sense, right? Uh, other than me telling you that this was recorded live and on video uh, when it as it's being done. So, anyway, I'm trying to keep a sneeze stifled here because the weather's changing and I have one of these winter colds setting in. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's not COVID. Anyway, um, and if it is, we're social distancing enough. Anyway, so um, uh, couple the the uh, heavy karate influence, sport martial arts influence, uh, with uh, me being a police officer and doing a lot of white collar crime things, and and uh, uh, oh, okay, right. So um, uh, I had a healthy dose of doubt when it came to seeing certain things, right. Um, so way back, we're talking way, way back, right? Uh, 1980, 81, something like that. I was brand new to the U.S. Army, and um, I was a military policeman stationed in South Korea. So um, having gone through, uh, I mean, I started my martial arts career in what was then called junior high school, right? So uh, now they call it middle school, but um and there was a karate club that, that had uh, started up. So I got involved in that, and as a, as a kid, wasn't, I mean, I ran around with my friends, and that was my physical stuff, but I wasn't involved in, like, uh, uh, organized sports or anything. So um, 
you know, karate club was cool, right? It was, it was pretty cool. Um, but the one thing that did stand out was it did not reflect or represent what I was used to being a, uh, being the nerdy kid that got his ass kicked on a regular basis in school by the kids who wanted me to let him cheat off my papers and all that. And I wouldn't do it. Or I was just this passive, uh, uh, target, right? Uh, and it was, certainly wasn't what I uh, was exposed to at home by, uh, or from an uh, from a, um, an abusive stepfather. So, uh, there was, a, there was quite the disconnect, right? I got involved in that because, um, I wanted to not be afraid and I wanted to learn how to, protect myself but it just it just didn't match up so anyway right um i get through high school uh become a, a military police officer and um realized that i was going to be a graduate of well, my joke is is not a joke right graduate of thursday's class at three o'clock i think it was actually two or three days that we had two or three hours worth of training in these uh six standardized techniques uh, that we did and then, you know, Thursday, 3 o'clock, right? Somewhere in there, right? Uh, we tested on these things and got certified on these things. Uh, you know, it was the uh, your partner puts his hands on your neck and uh, you do this little windmill thing and whatever the, t whatever the techniques were, right? Again, huge disconnect, right? Because uh, I knew firsthand, right, that that what accompanied the punch or the grab or the bear hug or whatever it was that we were learning techniques against, um, more often than not, there was rage and there was a lot of emotional uh, kind of stuff going on. There were balance issues. There were all kinds of things that uh, just were not covered in any of these classes, whether they were the, the karate classes or the uh, the, the the government six <laughs> classes, right? Um, so that put me on a on a little extra journey to try to find training for myself. So uh, once I left uh, basic training and and the uh, police training school and all that, and got to my first duty station, uh, I started exploring. I started jumping into and out of any class I could find. So I I took Kung Fu, I took Jeet Kune Do, I took uh, Taekwondo. I mean, I was in Korea, so of course I got Taekwondo classes, right? Um, all these things, right? Again, there was just these, just these disconnects. And it wasn't like they weren't physical and I was learning something, but then I had, you know, use of force doctrines to, to worry about um, as a police officer. And so I, I couldn't just do fight club, right, uh, against somebody that uh, I was trying to apprehend or, or anything like that, right? So by this time, I'm getting really, really critical about, you know, the stuff that's being presented, right? Uh, I was uh, buying and collecting uh, both new and used um uh, martial arts magazines. I was reading any article I could find. I, I, did, I didn't care what art it was coming from. Right? Um, it, it didn't matter. What mattered was that the, the stuff mirrored what my experience was, right? And that it provided answers for street level stuff. But also, it would be great if there was use of force and, and uh, self defense doctrine and those kind of things going in. And so anyway, uh, 
uh, again, if you if you if you listen to episode sixty eight, which was the, the kind of the reboot on on the on the podcast, uh, and I told my my origin story, right? I went into this much more deeply, but either way, uh, there was this day that I I had off and I was bored, senseless, and uh, I had all these magazines, and I just decided that I was going to read them, literally cover to cover, and I don't mean the articles. I mean, I read every ad. I read letters to the editor. Uh, I read all this stuff, right? Every single one, every, every single thing, right? And I remember getting to this article that later I found out was an excerpt from uh, this uh, multiple set kind of thing that uh, uh, the this Westerner who found this art, right? Um, that he uh, brought this stuff from Japan to the U.S. and, uh, you know, it's the ninja's arts and, and, you know, that kind of thing, right? Well, I remember getting, like, two or three paragraphs into the article and realizing, holy crap, i got to be doing this stuff, right? Again, it was one of those things, and maybe maybe some of you can, can uh, relate to this or maybe this resonates, where you were looking for self-protection or you were looking for whatever, you had no idea what it was called, right? And then you ended up in the training that you're in and, oh, wow, wow, crap, well, okay, this is, this is what it's called. Well, maybe. Uh, but leading up to this, right, I, I got these magazines and stuff and uh, saw this, this ad for this book that was actually where the excerpt came from, right? It was called uh, uh, Ninja uh, Spirit of the Shadow Warrior, right? It was uh, volume one from what we used to call the O'Hara series. O'Hara was the publication. And Stephen Hayes was the author. He was this guy that, uh, you know, was this first American that uh, received a teaching license for, from the Grandmaster in Japan. Not the first foreigner, right? There was a bunch of arguing going on. Like, he, he always billed himself as the first Westerner to blah, 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 right? And then there was a bunch of arguing that this other guy, right, except this other guy was from the Middle East. So it's, you know, he, he didn't. He didn't contend that he was the first foreigner, but I'm, I'm not here to argue one way or the other. People can believe what they want. But anyway, um, the, the the covers on these books way back, right, and we're talking late 70s, early 80s, the, the, the graphics were simple and whatnot, and what you had was this reddish-orange cover, right, with this bust, this person in this full head mask, right, with just the eyes showing, right, and as a as a federal cop, as a military uh, police officer, you know, we had to worry about terrorism and all that kind of stuff. I saw this, and for the longest time, I, my brain just made a snap decision, right? Well, what the hell's a ninja? And here's this person in this mercenary mask, which, which is what I saw, right? And I remember just thinking over and over again, right? people will freaking sell and fall for anything, right? So I avoided this thing, right? And then here's this day where I had committed myself to reading every ad, every letter to the editor, every editor's letter, right, which are different, right, um, every article and whatnot. And I hit this thing, and then it dawns on me, holy shit, this is from this book. Wow, right? I could have been reading and studying this stuff way earlier than this. But either way, right, we've all had those things, and if you haven't, then I, I bow to your enlightened. Uh, sense of uh, wisdom. But anyway, um, so 
as soon as, like, I made this decision, holy crap, this is what I've been looking for, then I really started to dive in, right? So I started looking for magazine articles and other books and, and whatnot. There was another book that I ended up picking up that was early, that was published early on. It was actually the first one that uh, Stephen Hayes had published. It was called um, uh, The Ninja and Their Secret Fighting Art. He had actually written that while he was training in Japan. It was published by a company called Tuttle, T-U-T-T-L-E, not Turtle, Tuttle. Um, and so what I became exposed to was the way the art was taught in the early days, both in Japan, right? And Stephen Hayes didn't bring anything to the States that wasn't being covered. He approached it differently for the Western mindset to both differentiate ninjutsu from what typically was going on in conventional martial arts, um, but to highlight certain things that he felt uh, was missing also. But these things were just standard fare, right? Uh, if, you, if you ever get a chance to read uh, The Ninja and the Secret Fighting Art, there's a story in there where one night he was driven by other instructors to this golf course, right? And um, they went into this thing, and they were practicing stealth training, and they were practicing their taijutsu at night, right? And he learned how to use his sense of smell to detect puddles of water before he stepped in it. Of course, he ended up stepping in one, and then teachers were telling him, you know, if you focus your sense of smell at a certain point farther back in your nose, in the nasal channels and stuff like that, you can detect this stuff before you do it, right? Uh, he was getting pummeled by people and couldn't see anybody, and they told him, look, if you bend your knees more deeply, right, you can silhouette your opponent's uh, shape against the horizon, against the night sky, and then you can see them while you are also blending into the darkness of the ground. All these cool lessons, right? Um, he was asking questions. They told him to keep his voice down because, um, you know, they were on a, a private uh, golf course, and he's like, well, what if we get caught? And they told him to shut the hell up and stop talking because they had roving security, right? So all this stuff, right, that nobody in today's world has any freaking clue about because all we do is, you know, Budo Taijutsu, right? Um, the, if you read these things, right, there were things about classes, right, and things that we did early on uh, training with him and that's still a part and partial of, of training uh, with me uh, that had to do with um, – things that we might consider to be ESP and, and stuff like that, um, because anything that we can do to increase our chances of success to, uh, and, and that's not just the battlefield in the dark alleys, that's in everyday life, right, um, was covered, right? Um, uh, all this stuff, right, the things that Hatsumi Sensei got from his teacher, Takamatsu Sensei, uh, that have little to nothing to do, to the average martial artist, have little to nothing to do with martial arts, but have everything to do with what we might call survival or or being more successful um, as a highly super successful person, right? Why else would Hatsumi Sensei have received lessons from Takamatsu Sensei on things like governing a province, uh, how to build uh, fortifications, uh, those kind of things, right? To have, you know, to the average guy who, where martial arts is ground and pound, uh, restrain the guy till he taps out, uh, get the, get the KO, get the knockout, uh, you know, whatever, right? Punching, blocking, kicking, joint locks, throws, you know, what people think of as conventional martial arts. But we have to remember that all of this stuff, it goes back well beyond Takamatsu, right? Because he inherited all this stuff from his three primary teachers. But, 
there was a there was a question that Takamatsu Sensei had asked my teacher Hatsumi Sensei when he first became a, a well actually probably the first meeting before he formalized his teacher student relationship because Hatsumi Sensei had all these you know the equivalent of black belts right in 100, 150 different martial systems, right? Um, and here he found the same lacking that I found as I was going through things. So I could really resonate with these things, right? But anyway, I had this first meeting with this warrior, right? And I was bragging, you know? I, I, I do this, I can do this, I got black belts and all this stuff. And, you know, Takamas Sensei listened very, very patiently and then said, well, that's, that's all great, that's, that's wonderful, but can you survive? And it really threw Hatsumi Sensei off, right? What do, you, what do you mean survive? Survive against what? And Takuma Sensei said, whatever you need to survive against, right? And here we are in a world now, right, where it's not just the thugs. It's not just the guy that might break into your house. It's not just the guy with the gun in your face. Can you and your life and your business, right? The dojo is a testament of surviving government shutdowns during a pandemic that nobody saw coming, right? And regardless of your beliefs about whether it's authentic, whether it's whether it's real or not real, it doesn't matter. The powers that be did the same thing. I'll, I'll just use nice language today. Did the same thing that that our, our ninja forefathers, right? Way back, way back, right? Nine hundred years ago, we're dealing with government overreach regulating every part of your life, all that kind of stuff, right? Which is why they moved off to these friggin' secluded, really high, dangerous peaks, right? Um, in this mountain ridge northeast, uh, northwest of uh, Nagano, right? So um, it, it, history repeats itself in the damnedest ways, right? But what really drew me was not just the, the martial self-defense techniques, right? The moves, right? It was a mindset that transcended self-defense situations. It was, uh, it included topics that went well beyond what most people think of as fighting or self-defense, right? Which is why I prefer the term self-protection, right? Because now we're talking about, you know, okay, great. So you can, you can survive a guy, uh, you know, coming at you with a knife or you can duck punches or somebody's grabbing you and throwing you to the ground. So you can survive that, right? Uh, what about a wild animal attack, right? What about your life getting shut down um, for months at a time and you, you hitting financial walls where you're waiting for government assistance checks because other areas of life weren't managed to where we could ride this thing out or we could navigate or uh, you didn't have the skill set to where you could change gears and uh, – keep money coming in, right, during a time when you couldn't do it the way you always did it, uh, or whatever, right? So it really does go back to, can you survive? And that's what this art's about. I mean, I'm wearing my training shirt. Let me shift here a little bit, right? It's going to be, well, I guess it's not backwards, right? Uh, this nin, right? Perseverance, endurance, the ability to survive against overwhelming odds, the ability to persevere and endure and, 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 survive, to, to keep going when you're facing things that are, are just, you know, 
doesn't matter, right? Can you survive a divorce? Can you survive, can you survive a marriage? <laughs> can you survive, uh, the death of a loved one that you are so entwined with that you can't imagine living without? Can you, can you survive your, chi- your, your children? No matter how many, how, how much pain and effort and struggle and whatnot you went through to make sure they had the right lessons, right? Can you survive if they, Make less than good choices. Okay. Can you, you know, can, can you survive? Can you survive, you know, finding out that half of what you were taught or knew about how to be successful or how to get along or how to manage problems or whatever um, was bullshit? Or you accepted lessons from people that they didn't have those areas of their lives taken care of anyway, and you went and took lessons from somebody that were giving you lessons about things that they knew nothing about, right? You you were a part of the chain of the blind leading the blind. Can you survive that kind of thing, right? There's, th- this goes back to a lot of things, right? So here, here's the biggest difference between then and now that I see. Then there were relatively few teachers, okay? There were three here in the States, and two of them were students of the one who – Brought the stuff back, right? Hasmi uh, Sensei was just starting to do like seminars, right? Uh, the San Francisco Taikai back in '89, maybe. I don't think it was before that, but it might have been. Um, it was the very first one where Stephen Hayes arranged all this stuff. Uh, Jack Hoban and Bud Malmstrom helped with these things. They put together security, all kinds of stuff. Um, Stephen Hayes' life was actually threatened by instructors in Japan because this is the first time Hatsumi Sensei was out of Japan for this kind of stuff, and uh, he was held responsible for his safety. Um, that's a whole other story in and of itself. Anyway, um, so uh, there were relatively few teachers, right? So the training was what it was. And then we went through phases where the more people that jumped on board – and the more people who didn't really want to do a lot of this uncomfortable stuff uh, or didn't want to have to look at certain things or didn't, whatever, right, um, it slowly started to morph into something very, very different. Um, 90, 97, 98, Taikai in Princeton, New Jersey, another major shift occurred where um, – you know, we're doing ninjutsu, right? We're working ninja techniques. We're throwing stars, all kinds of stuff, right? And um, Hatsumi Sensei realizes that people are, they, they don't understand it, right? For as much as it's been taught, right? So by that point, for 18 years, and just the, the amount of shit that was going on, well, I guess I couldn't hold my language for long enough. Anyway, sorry, Jen. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Jen's one of my new folks. Her whole family's involved. She's on. So anyway, um, and that, that was that was a joke too because I'm sure she rolled her eyes or laughed. Anyway, um, so uh, you know, at that point, you know, he decided that look, you know, people, so many people were misunderstanding things that they thought we that we weren't doing normal warrior stuff, right? So there was a whole explanation, and you know, all that stuff came about. So that was another transition. Right. And so transition after transition after transition after transition, um, I can see where 
in 2000, help me out with this, Carl, 2007, 8, I don't know, when did you get started? Uh, when I ran a, uh, my very first online program, which was called Ninja no Hachimon, the, the eight gates of traditional ninja training, uh, which is, is still available. It's, it's like uber popular. Um, I outlined this because uh, I wanted to answer the question, right? How do you know that you're really doing ninjutsu? And here was this ancient litmus test, right? Here are these eight categories in ancient Japan that if you weren't doing these things, then you couldn't claim to be doing ninjutsu. A school couldn't claim to be teaching ninjutsu, whatever, right? So, um, so I did this, and what I discovered was the, the, the small group of folks that kind of signed up for this program, 80, 90% of these people, yeah, end of 2007, that sounds about right. So um, uh, a bunch of these people, right, were really looking to walk away and go do something else because – the ninjutsu that they signed up to do. And some of these people had had done ninjutsu back in the early 80s when I did or the mid-80s or late-80s or whatever, and then life pulled them away, They, you know, whatever, right? And then here they are. They're coming back. They're trying to get back involved. And the, the what they found in whatever training groups they found, right, it barely looked, pardon the pun, barely looked like a shadow of itself that they remember, what they, what they were trying to get back to, right? Um, it just, it just didn't, it didn't mesh, right? So they had been looking around and around and it just, you know, uh, literally looking to just go off and do something else because they resigned themselves to the belief that ninjutsu was gone. Real ninjutsu was not to be had anymore, right? Or at least not, uh, within what people came to be, came to know as the Bujinkan. And I'll, I'll talk about that too because that's another one of those big differences. Um, um, so a bunch of these people that jumped on this program, right, uh, thought that it was gone, and then they they saw what I was what I was putting out, and and I I had always been doing same things the same way, right, that I'd been trained in by taught or been taught by Hatsumi Sensei and all the early teachers and all that, because um, that's I, I thought people needed that, right, in, in some regards, right, so. Um, so when, what, what I, what I came to see, and I don't argue with, with folks anymore when they, when they come up with their own ideas about what should be or what is and what isn't right and all that, because I've seen many different transitions, right? And, um, then, you know, the, the study of psychology and all these other, other things that fall under the Ninja Kyomon, that eighth gate of, of study about life things that can, you know, help you be more successful. Psychology being one of them. Then I came to understand uh, this little psychological principle that, and this is not just true about ninjutsu, this is true about everything, and we need to be mindfully aware, right, of our own ignorance uh, when these things kind of creep up, that people believed that the way things were when they got involved, let me, I, I just had a heater kick on, and I don't want that to, to get involved or mess things up. All right, got hard enough time managing uh, sound at the moment. So anyway, um, so uh, we as human beings tend to believe that the way we encounter something is the way it's always been, right? So um, 
there there were a bunch of arguments, right? That you know that's that's not the way it's done, or uh, the way us old guys, right? Uh, we're doing things, right? That's old school. That's old school, right? You don't, don't do that. No power. No, we weren't putting power in it either. What we were doing, we're allowed to bump into each other, right? We didn't mistranslate soft training as meaning that uh, you weren't going to experience pain or discomfort in, in training, right? What it meant was a properly done technique hurts all by itself. You don't have to go out of your way to hurt your partner. If you were forcing things or trying to make it hurt or trying to cause damage, then your technique sucks, right? Because a technique done all by itself, even slowly or done correctly, even slowly hurts, right? But people were, you know, shifting away from that. Like if a technique hurt, then, right? But that's not what the teachers were saying. They were saying, don't hurt your partner. Don't go out of your way to hurt your partner, okay? They didn't say don't make a technique not hurt. Okay? A technique that is improperly applied doesn't affect, doesn't have any, any effect. Anyway, that long, you know, long story short. Anyway, so there were all these, all these transitions, right? So, uh, long story long, um, one of the biggest differences that I see is that the art has been reduced to one aspect, the Tajitsu, right? Which, from a ninja's perspective, if a ninja has to draw a sword, he's already lost. Okay? Because remember, ninjutsu was mostly about information gathering and, and, and that kind of stuff, right? So, spying, whatever, right? So, if you had to draw your sword, if you had to draw your weapon, if you had to employ your, your physical skills to save yourself physically, then you got caught, right? Which means you already failed. Okay? So, here what's happened is, and then people are still calling the whole thing ninjutsu, when ninjutsu itself is a composite of all of these other sub-arts, right? Whether it's information gathering or uh, uh, personal development, personal clarity, uh, wilderness survival techniques, and, well, that's not on the list, sensei. Um, you know, you don't put things on a list for specific training if it's your everyday life. So if these people moved off to a mountain, forested mountain, where life was going to be difficult, and they had to, and, and back in the day, right, lighting a fire did not involve matches and or a Bic lighter. So you had to understand fire starting, fire lighting, different fire structures, right? Things that today we would put under a category of wilderness survival skills, that was everyday life. So, yeah, you're right. It's not on a list, right? But that doesn't mean it's not part of the training. It's not part of the, the lifestyle of these people we're supposed to be training to be like. So, as my dad would have said, right, one of the few things that I got that was, I don't know, maybe I'm just resurrecting some of the stuff, right? Um, people need to pull their head out of their ass and actually pay attention to things and not just learn the things that they want to learn because uh, that's what they're comfortable with, right? So, anyway, um one of the biggest things that's, that's different is uh, this thing that was a was a multidimensional uh, thing that that I was introduced to has been reduced to barely more than warrior unarmed fighting. And yes, I know people do weapons and things like that, but that's kind of an add-on, right? And then the ninja way of looking at it is a, is a variation. 
which it is anyway, but it's just, it's, 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 it's not, it's not the way it was introduced to the Western world. It's not the way it was when Hayes was living in Japan and Hatsumi Sensei was doing demonstrations for the Tokyo Metropolitan Police Department, right? Where he was demonstrating actual ninjutsu. All the students dressed up in, in disguises and, and period dress and, and, and things like that. And, and, uh, Hatsumi Sensei would, would end the, end the, the demonstration where he'd bite the head off of a rat and eat the thing whole to demonstrate intestinal fortitude and th- and, and the, 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 and make the point that a ninja will go farther than everybody else, than everyone else. Okay. So no, I'm not asking you to bite the head of a rat off and eat it. But the point is, can you, are you willing to go as far as you have to go? Anybody can answer yes until challenges pop up. Right. So, um, Anyway, so that's one of the big things, right? One of the big differences. Um, another big difference is this, this use of the Bujinkan, right? Where everybody says, I'm training in the Bujinkan, okay? Or I'm training Bujinkan, right? Bujinkan, historically, way back in the day, and, and I can see the transition where something takes on a life of its own. But this is one of the reasons why people got confused when Hatsumi Sensei gave soke ship to a bunch of different people and didn't make a soke of the Bujinkan because they didn't understand the whole freaking setup to begin with, right? When I got started, we were training in Togakure Ryu, Togakure School, Ninjutsu, which also included eight other lesser-known martial arts. I didn't make that up. Go back and look at early 80s uh, articles that he wrote or that anybody wrote, and that's the way it was described, right? The Bujinkan, Hall of the Divine Warrior, was the name of Hatsumi Sensei's dojo. He did not inherit the Bujinkan from Takamatsu Sensei. Takamatsu Sensei had his own dojo name. His teachers had their own dojo names, right? They were passing on Togakure Ninjutsu, uh, uh, Gyokushin Ninjutsu, Kumugakure Ninjutsu, Gyokoryu, um, uh, uh, Koshijutsu, Kotoryu, Kopoju, these nine different schools. But again, here's another one of those bastardized, misunderstanding kind of things, right? Yes, we're teaching nine different schools, except that historically these schools merged. And they merged with Togakure school influencing and everything started influencing everything else. So it's 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 not like you went to nine different styles and learned nine different schools, right? So there's the Bujinkan organization which is the, the, the maturation, right? The, the full maturation of, or the, the, the growing of Hatsumi Sensei's dojo academy from a small back room in his home that students would come to and train in to this international organization. But it's still a dojo. It's an organization, right? It's a thing that conveys and passes on the lessons of these nine schools he had soke ship of influenced also by a bunch of other smaller schools like the Ito Ryu and the Manriki school and the Musashi school and all these schools that he had Menkyo Kaiden or full transmission of. Just because he didn't have soke ship to to them doesn't mean that we're not learning them, right? Unfortunately, people today aren't 
that they're not learning that because they didn't learn their teacher didn't learn that from their teacher or somewhere along the line somebody thought they were paying attention and weren't right guessed at a whole bunch of things and shit just all fell apart right um, we knew way more about history and all of these things way back in the day than I believe that people know about today right and I also believe that people don't give a rat's ass but if you don't know it, then how do you know that you're doing the right thing or somebody just didn't throw a whole bunch of stuff together, right? It's kind of like people bouncing around in, in Sagan or Ichimonji because that doesn't work against MMA fighters or speed fighters, really. Me thinks you don't know how to do it correctly, right? Um, if your body was in the right posture, you would be able to move around freely. If you think you're limited in that and it doesn't work, then there's a problem with your understanding, not the technique. So anyway... Um, but that, that's another difference too, right? So the Bujinkan is an organization. Back in the day, we understood that that was Hatsumi Sensei's dojo name, right? And we were, our training groups or dojo or whatever, were branches of that dojo, of that thing that's now become this multinational, international uh, organization, right? Um, so the Bujinkan is still being led by Daishihan and, and other guardians and things that Hatsumi Sensei put in place. But ultimately, there were these nine schools. The nine schools all came together under Takamasa Sensei, his teacher, right? His teacher just happened to pass all nine to Hatsumi Sensei. I've seen the certificates. I've, I've seen the, 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 the uh, certificates of Soke transmission, Right, that he passed Hatsumi Sensei. Hatsumi Sensei was not under any kind of obligation to pass on all these things to one person, which is what people were guessing at for decades. Right, he decided to split them up again. But the Bujinkan is an organization, right? So people aren't training Bujinkan, right? Unless they understand that that is an, that they're encapsulating things. But again, I just smile and nod. Right, sometimes I nod like this. But either way, right? and I don't get into pissing contests with people. They can believe what they want, right? But unless they've been through all of this stuff, and I still don't admit to knowing everything because there was stuff that went on before me getting involved in 8081. So the best I can the best I can do is base things on uh, historical things. That's me since he's written articles, descriptions, and things that he or other teachers that did train prior to me training, right? That's 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 all I got, right? But I'm certainly not basing things on everything being right just because that's the way it was when I got started. Because there were things that we didn't do when I got started that I went and dove into because they were being done at a certain point. Right? Um, the fact that 90% of people in this art have dropped 90 or 95% of the art doesn't mean that I have to. And I don't care if people understand it, don't understand it, want to argue. What I, if, I, if I don't participate and somebody else wants to argue, you don't, I think everybody's mature enough to understand that um, it takes at least two people to have a fight or an argument, right? If one person's not arguing and the other person's yelling and ranting and raving, you don't have an argument. What you have is some lunatic yelling and ranting and raving, right? And they're hoping that everybody else that's witnessing it is looking at the quiet guy but if you understand psychology, you know that most people are looking at the person ranting and raving, wondering what, what the hell is wrong with you, and isn't there a better place for you to do this than in public, 
So they're not making the other person look bad, right? But their anger management doesn't allow them to understand that. Anyway, so here's, again, more of this stuff, right, that I got from Hatsumi Sensei and that is buried in articles and magazine articles and, and books and, and whatnot that, you know, people just want to look at the pictures and learn the cool moves, okay? So how is it different? Um, scope. The big thing is scope, right? Um, the big, I think the biggest thing um, when it comes to scope is that early on when this art was introduced to the West, there, was, there were great pains taken by Hatsumi Sensei, by Stephen Hayes, by the early teachers, whether it was Bo Munth in, in Sweden or some of these guys, uh, you know, all over the all over the world that eventually did get their teacher certificate and all that kind of stuff, and then you know started writing books and whatnot, took great pains to differentiate this from conventional martial arts and, con and the conventional approach, right? That there was way more to this psychologically, uh, life skills, all kinds of stuff. So the the big approach was this is not this is not what you would consider to be a real martial art, right? People are attracted to the martial aspects, but it's it's not real in the context as being the same as, right? Um, and in today's world, shit, people have taken great pains to make this another martial arts option among martial arts options. That's a big that's that's another big thing, right? But um, yeah, so. Uh, People are also not learning the lessons that the historical things were models, right? So the, one of the most historical things I could do in today's world as a modern ninja practitioner or a ninja practitioner is to not go running around in Hakama and Dogi and uh, a martial arts outfit and, and ninja tabi and whatnot um, out in the world, right? Um is to not do things the way they were done in 16th century Japan. Why? Because the things that were done in 16th century Japan were the top of the technology of the day. They weren't doing 3rd century Japanese stuff. They weren't doing the ninjutsu and, and the stuff that was practiced, uh, you know, whatever, right? Mid-1800s. Right as the West started bringing things in, if you don't think that they didn't switch over to, I mean, they they started working with firearms after the Portuguese introduced things into a, the port of Ta, Tanagashima, right? Um, which is why the first firearms, the worst, first long arms, were called Tanagashima. Right? Doesn't translate to anything other than that was the name of the port that they were introduced to. Um, but <coughs> excuse me, let me get a quick drink here. Mm. So um, the ninja have always updated things where the samurai mindset is if it was good enough for great-great-grandpa or older, right, that's what we're going to keep, keep alive, right? The ninja's perspective was, shit, science, meteorology, whatever, right? If they can help us live a better life, give us more power, allow us to produce success and results faster, quicker, whatever, why the hell would we not do that? So there was a cultural opposite from ancient Japan, right? So historically, if I were doing things more as traditionally as possible, I would not be doing the same things that people are doing that think they're doing everything traditionally, right? I would be, I would be researching, which I do, right? 
modern brain science. I would be researching modern psychological uh, uh, discoveries and physiology and kinesthetics and, and all these things that um, allow me to produce results in the 21st century quicker, faster, and better than everybody else. That's the ninja mindset. So why the hell would I still be doing things that should be in a museum? Right? Yeah, but you, you still practice with shuriken and swords and yeah. So we can learn the lessons from them and then apply that in a modern context. Not with swords and shuriken, throwing stars. Right? But I learned to throw shuriken. I learned how throwing stars are thrown. So if I'm sitting in a place and all I have is a drink coaster on hand or my debit card or whatever, I can throw that the same way to get the same kind of effect. Right? Yeah, but it won't go through the guy's eye and kill him. No shit, neither the throwing stars. But, hey, you do you, boo, and believe Hollywood all you want, because we know that they're 100% accurate. Okay? Um, anyway, so that's, Paul, that, that, this is this is the answer to uh, to some of the things that I see as, as being different. Um, the biggest thing is, you know, and it's, just, it's the same thing I learned in, in the military as well. The reason why military field manuals and training is changed after every significant war, okay? Because they have the veterans, right, the survivors, come back and rewrite things or update things, right? Because they lived it. If you don't do that, you run the risk of shit getting watered down the farther away from those who really know you get. Because then theory and ideas and preferences and all that kind of stuff ooze in. Um, it's the same, right? So the farther you get away from, you know, the farther we got away from Takamatsu being the living warrior who went to uh, China and had to protect a Japanese settlement uh, that he lived in and, and was the protector for and actually worked and used these skills, right? And then Hatsumi Sensei getting these things, right? So now you're one generation away from that. And then Hatsumi Sensei did have some experience with, with using this stuff psychologically and all that stuff. He dealt with uh, uh, Yakuza who were trying to take over his neighborhood and all kinds of things, right? Um, so you get, you know, next generation away from that, right? Um, a lot of Hatsumi Sensei's students, right, uh, myself included and whatnot, uh, between military and law enforcement and all that, had actual combat experience, and we actually use this stuff, okay? So that kind of starts to resurrect that stuff again, right? So that students get the lessons filtered through actual combat experience, through real life experience, right? If, for those of us who use this stuff to nurture and improve relationships or friendships or have used it in business or whatever, right? And the principles and concepts in, in different ways. And it wasn't just this thing that we did when we went to this sterile place called a dojo and dressed in, in cool clothes, right? And did cool things, right? Um, it's, it's now being passed on again, right? So you, it's being passed on by people that's, that have actually used it, right? Um, and it's, it's different than just this kind of recreational thing, right? Um, I teach it as an educational course of study, not as, just a martial art, recreational kind of thing. And I know people People will always say, well, me too, me too. Uh, really? Have you used it? Outside of the dojo, have you used it? 
okay, outside of just self-defense, like physical self-defense, have you used it? How have you produced results with this in everyday life? That's the litmus test, okay? Because you know, even the mandala shows us, right? You have you have book knowledge, even dojo knowledge, right? Dojo is still book knowledge, even though you're not just reading about it, right? It's 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 sterile, it's theory, right? It works in the dojo. Just because it works in the dojo, there's no guarantee that you understand that well enough that it's going to work on the street. And then there's School of Hard Knocks knowledge, right? Enlightenment is those two things mesh, right? So um, that's another big thing, too. The more people who have gotten belt ranking and, you know, gone and hung up their, their shingle and taught and all that kind of stuff, um, the harder it is to find those of us, whether it's guys who have spent time in the military in um, – in Bosnia or uh, the old Czech Republic or uh, people that I've met along the way that, you know, have been bodyguards and or been, you know, police officers like me or whatever, right, that have actually used this stuff. There's less and less of us around. In the early days, and, and the same thing with, with martial arts experience, that's another difference as well, right? When I first started in this art, 9.8% of the people that walked through the door or showed up at a seminar had prior martial arts experience, prior fight experience, prior law enforcement or current law enforcement, uh, government work, whatever, right? Military. Most of us had experience in the realm and were attracted to ninjutsu for all of its other aspects and to, to give ourselves a greater edge over other people that had the same kind of experience. Okay. Now, nine out of nine people, nine out of nine point eight out of nine, out of ten people that walk in walk through my dojo door have never. They don't have any martial arts experience. They don't have any fight experience. They don't have any any law enforcement. They don't have any of that experience. They have no no world experience to filter or to gauge this stuff by to even know if the teacher knows what the hell they're talking about. Most of us back in the day would have known bullshit day one. So now we have e an even greater problem with the blind leading the blind. Then again, this is all my opinion, and you know how opinions are like assholes and all that kind of stuff, right? But um, th this is my answer. What's different? Time. Time doesn't heal all wounds. It also bastardizes the hell out of things, right? So, um, you know, and then egos will flare, right? Because nobody wants to be wrong, right? Nobody wants to believe that they got uh, watered down stuff or that things weren't the way, right? Because, you know, people, when they jumped on board, what, however things were happening then, moving forward, they're going to take that as the gospel, that that's the way it's always been done, the way they got it from their first teacher, right? People, with, people are with their teachers, unless they had a major falling out. People are with their teachers, like people are with their parents, right? Well, at least those who had good parents, right? Uh, mommy and daddy would never lie to me. So whatever they taught me, I'm going to take it as a gospel. You're right. Mommy and daddy wouldn't lie, but mommy and daddy did pass things on based on their belief system. So um, not saying that your first teacher was a charlatan. Not saying that at all, right? But what was their level of understanding? And were they continuing to train themselves? 
my my first teacher, I uh, had to distance myself because I found out some things that didn't mesh and that's not the way I wanted to live. And there were other teachers that were more authentic and honest with things. So there's that. And that's as far as I'm going to go with that as well. But anyway, um, so yeah, uh, are there differences, right? Are they all bad? No, of course not. Okay. But there is a difference between then and now. There's a huge difference. Is it all bad? No, of course not. Right. But to illustrate a point about how much things were different, it was amazing to me how surprised people were or confused in the last, from my experience, two to three years, not counting the COVID shutdown, that I mean, since I was teaching and in classes, they would break out things like the Shinobi Zoo, right? The, the, uh, the hollowed out stabs that had like, uh, chain weapons hidden inside, or uh, we would do things with, more with Shuriken or with the Kiketsu Shoge, or some of these arcane weapons that were just part and parcel of the training back in the early days. They would pull these things out, and then people would flounder with them and, and whatever. They were neat, but they were seen as neat little oddities, like, ooh, 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 we're playing with this. But back in the day, they were seen as models for other things that very quickly, right, in a kind of a MacGyver or James Bond way, you could whip this thing up and then use this, you know, as, as a way to kind of uh, confuse the attacker or um, or use it as a model for things that you might pick up that are just laying around that, oh, holy crap. Um, you know, it was, it, again, it, it played to the this mindset of uh, being adaptable and being able to turn anything around and, and turn it and, and use it in your favor, right? Uh, uh, of course, maybe this was also, you know, it, it, it was highlighted back in the, at least in the mid to late 80s by shows like uh, the, the James Bond movies and MacGyver and, and those kind of things where, you know, give me a, a raw egg, a hammer, and duct tape, and I can make an airplane. Uh, that was the joke, but, but it was that kind of mindset, right? Stop bitching and moaning and complaining that the, the odds are against you and 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 this this victim society Jesus criminy right um, not only old school growing up in a time where we were told to suck it the hell up and figure it out right but Nijutsu coming along and then uh, you know no 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 not victim if I if I look like a victim or appear to be a victim. It's a part of Hensu Jutsu, disguise and impersonation, right? I'm using that as a way to get in or to control a situation so that I can cause a state of overconfidence on the part of the person that I'm either defending myself against or am going to shut down quickly. So, but I, I think a lot of this stuff is missing. I, I think that people buy the books by Hatsumi Sensei or, or listen to or watch the videos or whatever, and they what they hear is wah 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 when it when it comes to all this other stuff because they want to get to oh that's a technique I haven't seen oh that's a technique I haven't seen oh that right that kind of stuff because they're just they're they're kata collecting or whatever you want to call it. So, um, what's different? <laughs> A shit ton. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> um, 
Anyway, so uh, let me see. I, I need to pop my glasses on because a couple of other uh, comments did come in. Uh, Carl, you've been around for a while and a bunch of other folks, so if you have any comments or or anything or questions that you want to toss in, now would be the time to ask because um, I'm – I, I'm, I, I don't want to talk about any, any other differences unless you have something that's, that's, uh, relevant or have any other questions. Let's see, there was something that popped in here. Da, 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 da. Uh, Charles says, survival always begins with a thought process as an ability to think, what would I do if this happens before it happens? Absolutely. Right? So, you know, um, and that, and that's the way I teach too. It just, you know, if you're a, if you're a traveler, Right, uh, and you're in a you know a plane or public transportation, and you're in a in a crash. Yes, I know. Right, uh, emergency personnel are going to be there fairly quickly, probably. Right, unless you're in a situation where you're going to be gone for a week. Right, and you're out camping and stuff, and nobody's going to miss you for a day or a day and a half after you were supposed to be back. Right, and they lose contact with you. Right, so what do you do for that week? What do you do for those couple of hours? What do you do? Whatever. Right. If the plane doesn't vaporize or the train doesn't crush you or whatever. Right. How do you how do you survive? How do you and not just physically. Right. Mentally, emotionally. Right. How do you survive against the other people that are panicking around you? Right. Um, that are trying to pull you in multiple directions or. Whatever, right? Um, I, I have a, I have a moral ethical question that I, that I ask my students when it comes to survival, right? So, um, I have, I have a lot of these, right? But this one, uh, you know, you're, you're in a situation, right? Uh, we'll, we'll use the deserted island kind of thing as a, as a scenario, right? But you're, it doesn't matter where you are, right? You're in this scenario, right? You have all the skills and you assess the situation and you decide, you know what? Um, nobody's gonna, come for us for a while, right? And there's more resources over on that side of the island, right? I just, there's more in that direction or that's where people are going to be looking first. So I'm heading in that direction. I, I think what we need to do is go in that direction. And then you got this jack wagon decides, you know, he's the alpha and um, he's in charge. So you know what? We're staying here or we're going in the other direction, right? And so... You know, what do you do, right? And I'll, I'll frame this where my thing is, look, okay, that's fine, right? You, you guys can, you can do whatever you want, right? Anybody wants to follow him, that's fine. Based on my assessment and my skill set and all that, I believe that the best course of action is to go in that direction. Um, so anybody wants to come with me, that's fine, uh, but I'm not forcing anybody. If I'm, if I'm the only one walking that direction, I'm okay, right? But that's not the dilemma. Here's the moral ethical dilemma, or here's the, here's the survival thing. Jack Wagon says, no, we're either all going in that direction or none of us are. So now what do I do? Well, I know what I do. I continue to go in the direction that I'm going to go anyway, but I might run into the problem where this guy's going to physically attack me because I'm not going to do what he says. Right? So... <laughs> Ah, Jen. Jen says, doesn't the alpha always get killed first in horror movies? <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't, I don't go by the movie storylines, right? Because the way that, the, the, the stories that attract us the most are either the reluctant hero, where somebody doesn't set out to be a hero and then they end up being a hero in the end, kind of like Luke Skywalker and, right? He was just a 
you know, kid that wanted to do whatever until they pissed him off because they killed his aunt and uncle. Um, or it's the, the, the least likely, right? So, um, I don't know. I have a problem with a lot of the storylines, but anyway. So, but that's pretty funny. Disney Alpha always get killed first in the horror movies. Um, well, if he decides to kill me because, uh, or come at me because I'm not going in his direction, um, in this case, maybe. Um, but I, I'm, I don't need to go in that direction. Right? A lot of you know my moral dilemma kind of stories, and they're bass backwards from the way most of us were conditioned. You know? Um, I, I'm, okay, I'm, I'm okay being the only one doing what I believe is right. So, uh, mass hysteria and, uh, and, and this, this, the, the social agendas and all that. Yeah, no. Uh, and if I am going along with it, it's to serve a greater end and it's temporary. So, um, anyway, whoops, I'm going to break out my other one. Okay. So, uh, questions, comments, anything else, right? Do, 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 do. We're officially five minutes over the hour mark because I did get started late. Uh, let's see. Carl says, I agree with you in regards. Uh-oh. Uh, I agree with you in regards to who used to come to the Bujinkan. When I first started, I already had more than 10 years of military police experience, military, comma, police experience, and martial arts training. But by the time I met you, it was 20. At each stage, I was looking for what I could see was missing from all the other trainings I was exposed to. Okay. Fair enough. So, uh, and I always tell people, uh, not everybody's cup of tea. <laughs> I don't, I also don't have a, a podcast. Um, we, the, the first emanation of the podcast was, uh, more like a morning talk show. So we did set out to be entertaining and all that. But at the same time, I was la laughing at dumbass philosophies and, and still calling it the way I see it, right? So, um, but we, the format was more like, uh, tried to be like a morning talk show because I didn't want to be this talking head kind of guy, um, because a lot of these podcasts that we, we saw or people that were attempting to do things, uh, boring, Jesus Christ, they were boring, right? Uh, the second time around, um, I don't know, I've been toying with the idea of doing interviews and stuff, but I would rather do interviews. Uh, I don't, I don't want to do interviews with the, the top names on the art that somehow are going to give me credibility. What what I'm looking at doing right now is doing some, maybe some interviews with some of my guys like Carl and some other folks that have actually applied this stuff in their everyday lives. And, you know, to, to have them give their take as to why this or, or how this augments other things they were doing and stuff like that, right? Because they're like everybody else, right? So they're not like everybody else. I mean, you know what I mean? They're, they're more, more like the person that might be seeking this stuff out and how they might, you know, how people might use it and stuff like that. Right. Um, I don't, I don't need to be the teacher doing everything, but at the same time, um, I'm not trying to make this, um, I don't know, the cool guy show. Right. Um, if you know me, <laughs> I'm as far away from being the cool guy <laughs> as you're going to find, unless you think that, uh, you know, really getting wrapped around the strategies and tactics and applying this stuff in real life. And, um, you know, if I can get out of the way and find that perfect point to break somebody's balance and live to the lessons, right? Like, uh, you know, um, being able to take somebody down with one finger, uh, as one of the primary, uh, combat principles of the Koto school. Um, you know, how do I do that? Right. Cause it's one thing to talk, we'll talk about it. Right. And it's another thing to explore, uh, the lessons, right. Okay. So how, how is this done? 
right? And it's not necessarily about being able to put somebody down with one finger, right? Everybody gets wrapped around the words. It's the idea, right? You're in that perfect position relative to his that you can live to the ideal of it doesn't matter if he comes at you or you do it to him, everything backfires on him, right? That's cool shit, right? And that allows me to do it regardless of whether I'm 20-something or I'm 70-something, because I'm supposed to be getting better at this stuff as I get older, and time and age and all that takes its inevitable dues, right? That's another way this stuff is different from, and this is why I have a, such a problem with people reducing this to a martial arts option among martial arts options, right? If you look at conventional martial arts, at somewhere between the ages of 32 and 35, you're considered a senior, and you get handicap points in competitions, Holy shit. Handicap points? Right? In in a survival situation, you get predator points, right? You become more and more predator prey, right? Because you're slower. You you you're not able to move as quickly and, and all that kind of stuff, right? But it's supposed to be about timing and distancing and angling and, and all those kind of things that improve with age, not strength and agility and all those kind of things that naturally deteriorate deteriorate with age. But of course, right, Hatsumi Sensei has always said that if you train correctly, it's it slows down the aging process. Which people keep telling me I don't look like I'm 60, so unless they're 9, in which case everybody looks old. Um, but anyway. Jen, I just died a little inside. I okay, I don't I don't know what that means, but okay. Um Hopefully I made you laugh. Uh, anyway, so, um, anyway, what else do you got? Any, anything else before I wrap this up? Go home and let my wife know that I love her and all that kind of stuff before she passes out for the night. <clears throat> all right, that's all I have for the moment. So uh, if you have any other questions or there's a topic you would like me to cover, there's a question you've been dying to ask, uh, as long as it's reasonable. I mean, you know, uh uh, you send those things in, right? You can send them to Warrior C. Please spell the word warrior correctly, but I'll do it for you this one time. W-A-R-R-I-O-R and the letter C, right? At warrior-concepts-online.com. You can shoot it through there. If you're a local student, um, you know, you can always ask the question if it's something that uh, I think a lot of people would benefit from. And I'm willing to give it away for free. <laughs> Honestly, right? Um, I'll do it this way. Um, although there's a lot of stuff that I teach on here that probably should be charging for, but I don't because I like you guys. Anyway, um, so you can you can submit those things. Don't forget um, if you're local. Don't forget that uh, the dojo, the academy, is closed uh, from this Thursday through the weekend um, because of our Thanksgiving holiday here in the U.S. Uh, that means if you're in my Platinum Inner Circle group, my long distance guys, we will. At the moment, I'm not sure if I'm doing a Friday morning uh, class. I'm, I'm leaning in not doing it because I've got a lot of holiday stuff and family things pulling me around. So chances are there will not be one this Friday morning. Um, probably not the same for Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve because they both fall on Fridays. So probably one of those I'll be doing something. Anyway, so um, that's, that, that's happening, right? Uh, our New Year's kickoff seminar that is a – Older teen and adult only thing uh, is uh, January 7th, 8th, and 9th, our dichomio side. Uh, the theme for this year is being the 
a hero protector the world needs you to be, right? And we're going to be looking at, at things from uh, mindset to, uh, we'll call it intestinal fortitude, to uh, uh, bodyguard skills and, and tactics, right, how to protect someone else. Uh, so the attack's not coming at you, so we're going to be doing a lot with the Tagagi Ocean School uh, as a bodyguard kind of thing, uh, all that kind of stuff, right? So uh, if you go to Online Ninja Academy, all one string, onlineninjaacademy.com forward slash events, uh, there's a little bit there, and there should also be a link to go to the um, the information page. You know what? Let me bring that. Let's see if I can bring that up here quickly. Uh, give you the quick... Um, URL for that. Dun, 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 dun. There's an information page. Uh, Platinum guys do not uh, uh, register through the events page or the information page URL. I'm about to give you that'll just outline what we're what we're going over and what the what the topics are. Uh, you will need to let me know that you are going to be in either on the live or on the virtual side of it, and I will have to send you a uh, the discounted link for you to register. Um, that also goes for the inside, the people inside the school, uh, mastery leadership people, you get a discount and, uh, Shelby Kai people, you get a, a major discount as well. Um, that kind of thing, right? Um, uh, whoop, whoop, oh, wrong link, wrong, wrong button. Sorry, wrong button. Uh, you get to be watching me look confused cause I'm jumping around on my page here or on my, on my site here. Let's see. <clears throat> Sorry. Da, 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 da. Where the hell? Any day now. The, the internet at the dojo here is not as fast as at my home office, which is why I normally do this stuff there. There we go. Okay, so if you want to go to the full information page, you will go to warrior-concepts-online.com forward slash D-K-M-Y, that's uh, short for Daikomyosai, uh, D-K-M-Y-S-A-I-R-E-G reg dot H-T-M-L, right? Uh, so it's warrior-concepts-online.com forward slash D-K-M-Y-S-A-I, it's all abbreviated for Daikomyosai, dash reg, R-E-G for registration, dot H-T-M-L, Okay. Um, I don't know if I can share my screen on this thing or not. Let's see. Let's see what happens. Let me get back over here. Crap. Wrong page or wrong link. Uh, what am I? There it is. Does this have a screen share? Ta-da! Let's see what happens. Oh, that's just sharing that screen. Share a window. Let's see if I can share a window. That's not it either. Let's bring... That one up. Let's see. Share a window. Huh. Chrome tab. Obviously, I don't use this one all that often for this stuff. So, let's see. Ta-da! That one. There it is. If you can see that one. There's the URL up there, right? And then all the information is on here, January 7th, 8th, and 9th. Uh, for you who are local, maybe you can't do the whole weekend or whatever, uh, let me know, and I can get you the link for uh, 
for a single day or a single session, which is a morning or an afternoon. Maybe you can do a morning one day and an afternoon another day or two afternoons or whatever. You can just pay the single day rate, whatever. Uh, if you're coming in from out of town, and uh, let's see, stop sharing. There we go. Coming in from out of town uh, and you're coming in for the Friday evening, uh, training training starts at 8 p.m., uh, and you get in early, then you can do the classes that we have going on before that. There's two classes uh, before that that you can do uh, on me, no extra charge, um, have a good time, come in and train, um, that kind of thing, right? So uh, hopefully you can make it, right? And there is no minimum belt level or whatever. Um, I don't want to hear everybody go, well, I don't know if I know enough, maybe next year, whatever. Uh, I won't be covering this next year. We'll be covering these topics uh, or these skills the same way uh, from this perspective. The theme is always different. So, um, you know, avoid it or don't do it at your own peril. Or, you know what, um, do what everybody else seems to be doing these days. Because here's another difference from way back in the day. When when uh, training came up, come hell or high water, we figured out a way to get to training, right? Because we understood that this art is so diverse that chances are, well, it wasn't going to be covered again, right? Because there's so much to it, right? Um, in today's world, everybody's like, well, you know, everybody and their brother uh, teaches classes and stuff, so I'll just figure out who's got the cheaper program, who's got a DVD, who's got a recording, who's giving it for free. Um, everybody teaches the same. It's all the same. Uh, well, that's another big difference as well, okay? So anyway, that's it. I'm going to wrap this up. So, Jen, you're welcome. Everybody else, uh, th thank you for being a part of this. I appreciate it. We'll get the recording out onto the uh, other podcast uh, things as quickly as possible. Uh, once I wrap these things up, it, it normally takes a couple of days for James to get it all uh, formatted and all that and put where it needs to go so that it ends up in the podcasting things. Uh, if you want to listen to past episodes, this is episode 85, so episode 84 all the way back to episode 1, that's over on one of our other sites at Modern Ninja Warrior, right? Uh, all one string, modernninjawarrior.com forward slash kuden dash podcast dash episodes. And uh, you can um, you can listen in there. Uh, we used to have a, a, a little link on there to uh, to sign up to get on the uh, subscriber list to, to be uh, early uh, to be notified early for these things. Uh, we're, we're updating some things so that that's not active at the moment. But the whole library of things is there or you could go to Stitcher Radio, Apple, whatever these things are, right? Chances are, if you go to a podcast site, James has been really good about getting this stuff out. Um, I don't know if we're on Spotify yet, but um, go to these things and type in KUDEN, K-U-D-E-N, and the explanation point, chances are we're going to pop up, right? And all the back issues or all the back episodes are there as well. Okay. Um, so have at it. Let me see if anybody else throw something in last minute. I don't see anything. So, guys, I'm going to wrap this up. I'll talk to everybody again next time. Thanks for being in. Carl. Carl's on the other side of the planet from me, so I'm always uh, happy when I see him hop on uh, something live. So, Carl, thanks for being here. I really appreciate it, and thanks for helping out with uh, technical issues and uh, the contribution to, uh, to um, the content, too. So, anyway, that's it. I'll talk to everybody again next time. Be safe. Train hard, and if you're in the States or celebrating, uh, you're living somewhere else in the world but still celebrating, have a good uh, holiday weekend, and uh, I'll talk to everybody again next time. See you, see ya. Get more of Kuden Radio. Subscribe to your favorite podcasting site or subscribe at ModernNinjaWarrior.com.